0: You're listening to The Road to Philanthropy with Gary Cohn, a podcast series on giving and working with nonprofits. This podcast is produced by Painted Rock Advisors, a consulting hub providing services to the philanthropic and nonprofit communities. We bring together your values and wealth with opportunities to do good work and make the world a better place. What can we do to help you? Contact us at paintedrockadvisors at gmail.com. This is Gary Cohn, and I welcome you to The Road to Philanthropy, the podcast production of Painted Rock Advisors. We look forward to inviting discussion and dialogue on all things in the charitable, nonprofit, and philanthropic world. Thank you for joining us. In the ever changing world we live in, both donors and volunteers need to reassess their charitable world. What does 2021 look like for the nonprofit institutions we support? With collaboration and mergers taking place for some institutions and for others, survival is a big question. How do we evaluate our giving and our volunteer efforts? The road to philanthropy brings together a variety of nonprofit and philanthropic leaders to discuss these issues. Today, we are joined by Michael Rapkin, the Campus Support Director at Hellel International. Michael has an undergraduate degree from the University of Colorado and a graduate degree from New York University. He has spent the last 20 years with Hillel at the campuses, including Emory University in Atlanta, UC San Diego, and now with the parent institution, Hillel International. Hillel International is the foundation for Jewish campus life, serving over 550 colleges and universities. So to be up front, I have to say I met Michael when I joined the board of directors of Hillel 818, serving Cal State University, Northridge, and the other valley colleges in Los Angeles. Welcome, Michael.
1: Oh, thanks. It's so great to be here. Glad to be a part of this. This, you know, long time listener, first time caller.
0: Uh, well, Michael, you've spent almost your entire business career in the hello world. Yeah. What speaks to you about the work of Hillel?
1: The heart of it—it's about community building, and that's what I fell in love with as a student when I got involved with Hillel. But really, have come to learn and and love about Hillel is that we we aren't just another student club on campus. I feel like we're inspiring an entire generation of young Jews to become ethically engaged global citizens, rooted in Jewish values. And you know, you look at the college experience, and it's about you know building those vital social networks—people that you're in touch with for a lifetime. It's about learning life skills it's about shaping your identity but with halo we're helping these emerging adults find their unique purpose as a central character in this long narrative of the Jewish people, it's, it's incredibly empowering.
0: So it's not just doing programs, you're actually doing leadership and development and, and educational programs for the students.
1: Absolutely, I mean, it's about creating opportunities for students to grow and to uh, help them nurture their sense of, of self in a Jewish community.
0: Now you said that when you were in college, uh, you attended Hillel. Yeah. What, what brought you to the Hillel on campus at the time?
1: Well, (laughs) I grew up in Cincinnati uh, where I attended uh, Jewish day school and my parents are very involved in the Jewish community and Federation, JNF, et cetera. And so of course I went to college. The first thing I do is I show up at Hillel for Rosh Hashanah services. I have to tell you, it was not the best experience because I remember the rabbi director during the service, getting up on the Bima and saying, Hey, we're going to be starting a band at Hillel. And if you're interested, come and talk to me after the service. So I muster up the courage to go and talk to him after the service. And I say, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in this band. He said, Oh, really? What do you play? I said, well, I play keyboard. He said, well, have you ever played in the band before? I said, no. He says, well, we're looking for somebody with more experience. (laughs) And I walked out of there and I promise you, I never saw him again. (laughs) And I would go past Hillel every once in a while and went my way to class. And I just didn't see anything happening there. I assumed it was just, a you know, it was closed. And one day my mom, a couple of years later, gets a call from the new director who took over asking for money. It was a fundraising call. My mom, of course, says to, her, to the new director, Brenda, I, I got to tell you, my son doesn't think there's a Hillel there and uh, you better reach out to him first. So she did. She invited me for a cup of coffee and a bagel. And the next thing I know, I'm president of Boulder Hill Hillel. <laughs> and it just goes to show how important it is that you just reach out and make that personal connection. It's all about relationship building. And for me, when I got to get involved in, in Hill in a leadership role, it became about community building. And I just love helping to create these special events and programs and activities for friends and growing the community and uh, from there it, it just took off.
0: Um, at Hello International, how many students do you serve across uh, America and the number of campuses?
1: We know there's about 90% of Jews in North America go to college. We, you know, Jews just love higher education. It's just, uh, it's sort of what we do. Um, And so we estimate there's about 400,000 Jewish college students and it's a captive audience of emerging adults that are uh, ready to explore their evolving identities. And we have about 550 Hillels in North America where we engage around 45% of these students every year. And interesting fact, we also have another 56 Hillels abroad. So in Israel, South America, Europe, former Soviet Union, we even have a Hillel in Warsaw, Poland now.
0: So that's very interesting. I didn't realize that Hillel had things in Eastern Europe and even South America. I knew, I figured Canada, but I, I didn't realize the other ones were.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. It's, a, it's, it's really incredible how this movement has grown in the past 20 I have years. I
0: admit that I, I did go to Halal when I was in college once or twice. When my, daughter joined, uh, when my daughter went to Boston University, I suggested that she join, go to Halal for one or two activities. And I think she said, Dad, I grew up as a Jewish brat in a synagogue when you were running it, so I'm not going to do that. But maybe I'll pop in once or twice and see what it's like. But the fundraising arm of Boston University hit me and I donated to Halal for four years when she was going to school. It was a good program there. She went one time for uh, a Seder. That was about all I could get her to do.
1: Well, you know what, we appreciate your support then. We certainly appreciate your support of Hill 818 as, as you are a board member there. And we find that a lot of parents do uh, send contributions and maybe don't hear about what their kids are doing because the, the students don't uh, reveal as much to their parents as uh, you might expect.
0: That is for sure. Even today at 28, she doesn't reveal that much to <laughs> What, you know, I know the overall goals we talked about, uh, you talked yeah. about, well, are there any specific goals in the next 12 months that Hillel is looking to accomplish uh, priorities? For well, I'll
1: just, I mean, I'll, I'll start just to make sure your listeners are clear about what, what Hillel's purpose is, what's our mission. And, and it's really, it's about to enrich the lives of Jewish students so that they may enrich the Jewish people in the world. It's really about connecting with students in having this broader vision in mind. And what we want to make sure is that every Jewish student makes this enduring commitment to Jewish life, to Jewish learning, to Israel as the Jewish homeland. And so, you know, we hired very talented Jewish professionals and educators across the country around the world to build meaningful relationships with students to help them grow. And we know it works. I'll just give you a really interesting tidbit here. We, we took a look at the results of a survey we did in 2014. Nearly 5,000 alumni took the survey. These are people who graduated within five years of taking the survey. And we found, interestingly, higher rates of participation in Hillel are associated with higher levels of post-college Jewish engagement when controlling for Jewish background. So even those with minimal Jewish background growing up who had frequent participation with Hillel showed a positive correlation with 11 different indicators of Jewish engagement. So we know Hillel enhanced their post-college Jewish involvement. It's not just about their time during college, even those with the extensive Jewish backgrounds. When we think about what we need to do in this you know, particular time with COVID and everything going on, we have to make sure that Hillel's all across the country, all around the world, have the capacity to engage students in increased innovative ways. I mean, that's a major focus for us right now is giving them that capacity and providing that support. We also have to support staff. These are staff, a lot of them are struggling with the challenges of remote work, right? It's really hard to do this kind of work that's relationship based when you are sitting across from somebody on Zoom. And lastly, one of the things that we're working hard to do is inspiring stakeholders to increase their support at a time when Jewish students are craving connectedness. They're really needing that pastoral care uh, now more than ever.
0: How has the impact of COVID-19 affected the work of Halal from where you sit? We knew
1: already before COVID that this was the most anxious generation of college students we'd ever seen. In other words, they're suffering from all kinds of anxiety-related challenges. Just the pressures of modern day with technology, the way it is with you know pressures on what career they're going to pursue, academic performance. And then when COVID hit, the world got turned upside down like a lot of pretty much everybody you know college is a time when very often it's the first time you leave home and go live on your own well those hopes were dashed for a lot of freshmen that are living at home with their parents expecting to go to college and they can't it's pretty tense. So we've had to really pivot around how we do programming to help those students who are craving community to build those social experiences, even if they're online, even if they're virtual. And secondly, we have to really work on that one-on-one relationship building to help make sure that students have that pastoral care that they might need to cope with the anxiety, with the you know spiritual crises that might be going through. And so we're creating a lot of content nationally through a program called an initiative called Hillel at Home, which is an attempt to bring really interesting, compelling speakers, presenters, program ideas to students all across the country that a local Hillel can then promote to their students instead of having every local Hillel having to create programming in this weird environment that we're in.
0: That's very interesting. I know I've taken part in a couple of activities at Hillel at Home. There was a lecture a couple of weeks ago, I think it was Deborah Lipstadt spoke. That's right. That was very, uh, very interesting to see how many people were engaged from the Northridge campus, and, uh, and that's
1: right. In fact, some of these programs actually it, it works two ways. So that program was actually sponsored. It was initiated by a local Hillel, and then they said, "We want to make this a Hillel at home event, so that it could be broadcast and amplified more globally." It's a really interesting um, initiative that I think it got developed within four weeks after you know the COVID shutdown began in March. So it, it was a very quick innovation, I and mean, that's one of the things that I think is really interesting. About Hillal is that we're constantly having to innovate. Every four years, an entire population turns over, and so we're always having to adjust to and forecast what the trends are. And you know, innovating around that, I think, has our window is usually about a year where we try something and see how it works. And we when we have to pivot sometimes. Here, I think the innovation window has shifted to only a matter of months. Where we have to come up with something new every few months.
0: Can I ask you a question regarding college communities for a moment, because obviously many halal's are in college towns where the like Boulder, where the mm-hmm. university is is there, and that's it. Sure. Cal State Northridge is really a commuter campus. Yeah. How do you program differently, or what do you do differently between a commuter campus and one that has a lot of people living on campus?
1: Well, it's a it's an interesting challenge. It's been a, a vexing challenge for for a long time. You know what we have to do is really carefully examine what students need. The residential students for the most part, um, you know I worked at Emory Hillel in Atlanta, which is a completely a residential campus uh, for the most part. And I you know it felt like going to camp sometimes, right where it's you got this wonderful captive audience. they're just all there. It's like this wonderful idyllic environment and uh, and it's really easy to build community in that kind of environment. But if you're a commuter campus and you've got students who literally drive onto campus and they park, they spend the day in class and then they leave and go home, you know, it could be 10 15 miles away. It's really hard to build community. So there's lots of different ways to to work on that. Some of it is about creating a space on on campus or at Hillel which is kind of a a commuter lounge giving students an opportunity to just check in spend an hour between classes you know grab a snack cup of coffee maybe participate in a conversation or some sort of activity that's quick a small snippet of a taste of, of Jewish life and a lot of these students who are commuters also have to work Uh, some of them part-time, some of them full-time. Their discretionary time is very limited. So a lot of what we're doing now in the virtual space, I think is, is probably gonna stick because I think we're gonna see a lot more students checking in remotely to be a part of community because the time that it takes to drive, to park, to get out of the car and go and be a part of something is a little bit harder now.
0: I know that's certainly true for me as an adult in the LA community. I used to maybe go to Talmud study like once uh, every month or two, because the drive was going to be an hour round trip to where it was being held. Now, every week I can just go online and do it and see the same people. And we do have a community online now that we, we know each other and we talk to each other. Yeah. The other thing, is, can you imagine,
1: is that- can you imagine doing this going through a pandemic 25 years ago? I mean, like,
0: <laughs> no, I can't. I went through a gas crisis back then, <laughs> as you did probably too. in Hillel, uh, 818. We have an interesting kind of uh, breakdown because we have populations that are uh, Persian American, uh, Persian Jewish, Israeli Americans, uh, Russian uh, Jewish, and yeah. obviously American Americans. And we do programming in all those areas. Do other hells have the same kind of mix or is that unique to California?
1: Uh, it's, you got an extremely diverse population of college students, wherever you look. I mean, it's fascinating. Recent study that shows about one in five young Jews are uh, Jews of color. That's a real important area to look at in terms of diversity. So we have to really look at the fact that we have students coming from all walks of life. Um, all kinds of Jewish backgrounds, and that diversity is a strength. It's fascinating when you see Jewish Russian-speaking Jews who are interacting with you know Persian Jews in the kinds of cultural exchanges that happen there. It's it's amazing to see.
0: Let me ask a question about local communities. Does Hillel get involved with the other local Jewish institutions, or is it pretty much Hillel by themselves on campuses?
1: Oh, no, it's a great question. I mean, Hillel, pretty much every community you go to, Hillel is a pillar of that Jewish community, and there's a lot of interconnectivity that happens. So if you think about a college campus as kind of a microcosm of the larger community, you have a need for things like, uh, you know, ADL or JCRC or, you know, certainly advocacy groups, uh, you know, like APAC and, and so forth. Hillel is the connector. Right. So we're in conversation with a relationship with all of these different Jewish organizations and we help marshal those resources to bring them to bear on the campuses. What's great about that is it allows the students to see what the, you know, the Jewish community off campus looks like because they're modeling that for them uh, while they're in school. And so that's the the important part of of what Hillel does is help students sort of see what it looks like to take that, that next step in Jewish life after college.
0: Let's move to the fundraising side of things, since that's what I do for a living anyway, and most of my audience is involved in their nonprofits or in uh, making contributions around uh, around the country. Oh sure. Um, how is uh, the funding of Hillel? How does it come about?
1: I think. It's different for every Hillel. So each individual Hillel is an independent entity. There are some Hillels out there that are actually owned by the universities, you know, small private colleges, for example, but for the most part, each Hillel is its own 501c3. And Hill International is also an independent uh, entity. Hill International raises funds to support the overall movement and also to provide certain grants to the local Hillels. But for the most part, every local Hillel is raising, I'd say, at least 60 to 80% of its budget from individual contributors. And what I see for the most part is that the vast majority of those dollars are coming from local community members you know so like for example where i live in san diego Hillel of san diego raises money you know from from donors all over the country but at least 80 percent of it is coming from the local san diego community even if they don't have a particular affinity for one campus or another uh, like ucsd or san diego state they may not be a parent they may not be an alum but they want to take care of the hillel in their backyard because they know that when their kids go off to college, or when their kids did go off to college somewhere else, that community also supported the Hillel in their backyard to make it possible for their child to have an important, meaningful Jewish experience.
0: I know when I joined the board of Hillel 818, I was put in charge of uh, fundraising eventually, and I went out to a local foundation. Actually, it's a national foundation. And they said, no, no, we give to Hillel International, but maybe we'll carve out something for you guys. Let's talk, you know, and so Mm -hmm. they uh, carve out something for us directly. But it's very interesting, uh, broad support that you do get from foundations, uh, family foundations, as well as just Jewish foundations in general.
1: Yeah, I'd say family foundations and individual donors are the most important sources of funding for local Hillels. Then of course there are national foundations that would like to support Hillel writ large. And so they see that Hillel International is really the way to do that because it's it's making sure that those resources are stewarded properly and applied in the way that's really going to help the local Hillel's across the country, around the world, to uh, build capacity to serve even more students, and serve them better.
0: Birthright Israel started back in, I think, 1999 or thereabouts. And yeah, that's right. There's a lot of collaboration between Hillel and Birthright Israel. How does that work? How's that
1: Oh, it's it's been an amazing partnership from the very beginning. You know, Birthright works with a number of organizations to basically provide uh, trips. And so I don't know all the stats off the top of my head, but I know that Hillel is one of the largest providers of Birthright trips. So what what the local Hillel's will do is recruit students to fill up buses, you know, 40 students per bus into campus based trips because one of the things that we've found is that having students go together as a cohort on these trips to Israel helps them to build a relationship while they're in Israel and then they come back and they can have those relationships to build community and strengthen community back on campus. So the Birthright experience is is an amazing immersive experience that brings you know Jewish students in touch with Israel as the Jewish homeland it gives them an opportunity to see that they are a character in the you know Jewish narrative that's you know, spanned millennia, and that there's something to Israel that's beyond the headlines and the, uh, you know, some of the the terrible stories that they hear. And it puts it into real strong relief so that they can come back to campus and really uh, share their experiences with their peers, what they've seen in Israel.
0: My daughter, unfortunately, did not get to go on Birthright Israel while she was in college, but she went as a 25-year-old and it was a little different experience because it wasn't a cohort from a college. And that was a very hard following up afterwards to have the relationship with the people. But she certainly did support her love of Israel and her involvement in the Jewish community. I've very been supportive of Birthright Israel myself. So it's a good good program. Good to know yeah. that people has a good relationship with it
1: yeah it's a really important relationship we do a lot of great work with birthright have for many years unfortunately right now we can't bring students to israel because of the pandemic and that i think is going to that ultimately can hurt us Yeah, because the birthright experience is one of these amazing portals for students to go through that's it's so exciting it's so tempting it's like you know most people who sign up for the birthright trip are looking at it like they would go on a trip to italy or france or whatever like it's it's just a foreign country right but it's free. Why wouldn't I want to go on that trip? (laughs) <laughs> so it's such an important portal for us to be able to engage with students for the long term.
0: Right. The other last question I have, you know, obviously Halal is on the Jewish programs on campuses. There are a lot of non-Jewish programs on campuses for mm-hmm. Christian students or Muslim students or whatever it right. might be. Do you interact with that at all, and and do the programs inter, intersect at all on campus? Uh,
1: yeah, and in, in fact, it's a really important area of work right now, especially as we look at you know over the past uh, you know five ten years dealing with anti-Semitism and certainly how anti-Zionism and anti-Israel politics on campus have, have really alienated Jewish students. And so what we've done a lot is in the realm of leadership development and advocacy is helping students, Jewish students, learn the skills of coalition building. It's super important. We actually work with a lot of non-Jewish student leaders on campus to help them understand what anti-Semitism looks like, how that anti-Zionism and anti-Israel politics, how they come to uh, really you know, harm Jewish students. And we're actually changing that culture on many campuses. It's pretty outstanding to see how that works. What's important is that we're having to teach Jewish students about this work that you typically see in like a JCRC or ADL you know, doing that outreach to non-Jewish organizations, this is not something that necessarily comes naturally to students, but once they get engaged in it, they really see how important it is and how exciting it can
0: be. Well, I think, you know, certainly for students, coalition building is very important. Uh, They're not seeing that in the political world anymore. We used to, when we grew up, there were politics on both sides of the table. On both sides of the aisle. It's a good skill set to learn and a good leadership uh, skills to obtain. It is. I'm glad that you're contributing to that. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you the, the broader question What did I miss? What did I forget to ask you? Is there anything? like to tell our audience that uh, that i haven't brought up i mean look
1: I, I would say that the most important thing to realize is that even though you're hearing in the news about college campuses not having students on campus in lots of places that that classes are remote you might think that hill isn't actually functioning when in fact it is very much so we're seeing you know, scores of students showing up to Shabbat Zoom services, you know, in some Hillels, they have a Shabbat to go, you know, kit that students can come up To the door of Hillel with their mask on, and they pick up their little Shabbat to-go bag, and that's happening all over the place. And so Hillel is continuing to meet a really important need even during this pandemic. I've been really, really proud to see our most stalwart supporters stepping up to continue to fund Hillel during this time. In fact, many of them are actually increasing their support of Hillel because we see that in you know in philanthropy. I think you you know this you know firsthand as you as you're talking to donors, a lot of donors who have the means can afford to give a little extra this year because there are some out there who really can't afford to make their, you know, gifts of 18 or $36. But the but for folks whose, you know, resources are tied to the stock market, you know, they're doing well. And if that's the case, then we ask those supporters to step up a little extra this time. And they are saying yes. And that's been really, uh, that's been really heartening to see.
0: Well, that's great. And, uh, yesterday I actually went into a Jewish gift shop in, in the Valley here and ordered a couple hundred boxes of Hanukkah candles, uh, wow. to give to students to give away to students. We're going nice. to hit them next week, hopefully. And, uh, he gave us a nice deep discount as long as we promote a store, you know, <laughs> give him, give him some credit. Uh,
1: right, so you going to say the name on air or are you going to?
0: No, no, no. I, can, I can't do that yet. But, <laughs> I but anyway, thank you so much for joining us today on, a ro- on the road to philanthropy. We appreciate your insights and your observations and your years of experience that contribute to the campuses all across America.
1: Well, thanks so much. And thanks for doing this. It's really cool that you're uh, putting these uh, podcasts out there.
0: So next month, for people who are listening to this podcast, our guest will be Sarah Jennings, who is the vice president of Major Gifts, for the V Foundation. And the V Foundation was founded in memory of Jimmy Valvano, the once great coach of uh, North Carolina State, who uh, died of cancer many, many years ago. And so the V Foundation supports cancer research, and she'll be here to join us. And again, thank you, Michael, for joining us today. And we look forward to our listeners coming back and for many, many months of great, great programming. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We want to stay connected with you. Be sure to stay connected with our community by giving a like to our Facebook page and following our Instagram, at paintedrock underscore advisors. Our podcast is available on all of your favorite platforms. We'll see you at our next release. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.